Amen. What a wonderful presence of God that is here tonight. And I have been here all day. And I don't have anything profound to tell you, but I do have something that I want to share with you that I really believe could be life-changing. Lisa, it is so good to have you home tonight. My. Uh, moved all the way up to Maryland, somewhere up there on the East Coast, all among all those Yankees. I'm glad you're home tonight. We have missed you. Amen. Stand with me for the reading of the Word of God. I'm going to take you to a very familiar text, and when I read it, some of you are going to turn me off before I even get a chance to tell you something, so please don't do that. Listen to me. Let me just, let me start by saying this. If I can tell you a way to improve your life, simple way to improve your life, would you be interested in knowing? If, if I could tell you a way tonight to lower your stress level, how many of you would be interested? <laughs> if, I could, if I could share with you something tonight that would vanquish your fears. How many of us are tormented by fears? Fears that we're not enough, we're not adequate. Fears that we will never make it. Fears that we don't have what it takes. If I could share with you one simple thing that could transform your life, would you be interested? If you are, then you need to listen. If I could share something that would make you happy. Anybody here like to be happy? <laughs> oh, praise God. Not just put on a fake smile, but have something just bubbling up inside. Amen. So let's read Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse number 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Now that doesn't, the Lord was not advocating carelessness or recklessness. He was not advocating ignorance or stupidity. He was trying to get across a principle. He said, is not the life more than meat? Happiness is not found in things, it's found in principles. And the body more than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into their barns. Yet their heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one 
of these. Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory, and you have to understand that his glory was so great that when the queen of Sheba came, she said, the half has not been told me. And yet one lily of the field that understands the principle that I want to share with you tonight is arrayed in more beauty than Solomon in all of his glory. And so tonight my subject is consider the lilies. And you may be seated. Some people just have a knack at making life hard. I have come to understand that some people are just gifted in stupidity. None here. (laughs) But some people. I have come to understand that some people can make life so miserable for themselves that it becomes a chore to live. Sad part is they make it miserable for everybody else too. They they make life so difficult. It's because we have some warped perceptions or conceptions about how life is to be lived. Some of us are of the opinion that if we try hard enough, we can change anything and overcome anything. And yet I know tonight beyond the shadow of a doubt that I am talking to some people here tonight that have tried awfully hard and it hasn't worked out. Now, Somebody might fault you and tell you that you didn't try hard enough, but I come to disagree with them. I don't believe that it's a matter of you trying hard enough. I will go further and tell you that you can try as hard as you can, and you cannot accomplish what I'm going to tell you that can be accomplished by something so simple that some of you, when I tell you, are going to wonder what I'm talking about. The way that people live and the principles that they live by and their approach to life make it difficult and make it much harder than God intended. I do not believe that God intended life to be a burden to us. I do not believe that God intended for life to be miserable and for us to go through life just trying to get through this day so we can say it's done and gain enough strength through the night that we can get up and go tomorrow and face it again. I don't believe that was God's will. I believe that when God created man, He created man in an environment that if he would have cooperated with that environment, he would have never lacked for anything. 
Because God provided everything that man needed in that garden. And he gave it to him. And all that he said is you take care of it and it'll take care of you. And so from that beginning and the getting into disagreement with God's divine purpose and plan, man started a miserable stumbling and tumbling through life that continues to this very night. And there are some of us sitting here tonight that are smiling on the outside, but we're miserable on the inside. And we try and nothing changes. But trying alone does not produce the needed change that we desire in our life. I'm going to go a step further and tell you that the key to successful living is not even in your willpower. There are some people that are of the opinion that if you have a strong enough constitution, you can overcome anything. That if you have a willpower that's strong enough, then you can rise above every circumstance. But I'm here to tell you I've lived long enough to learn that I don't care how strong your willpower is. It cannot get you over some of the things that you're going to encounter in your life. Will all that you want to. Your will will not transform your life. But the key. It's so simple. It is so simple that when we speak it to you and when I tell you, your mind is going to try to argue away what, my, what, what I'm going to tell you. It is so simple that when I tell you, your mind is going to disagree. And your mind is going to tell you that that's just a simple preacher that doesn't know anything about life. But what I've come to share with you tonight didn't come from me. It came from his word. This is what he said. And I'm just going to repeat what he said and try to expound on it. Jesus is talking to some stress-filled people in our passage. He is talking to some people who are worried about life, provisions, the future, what's coming down the road. Will they have enough? Will they be able to face those things? He is talking to people who were fearful of just about everything that you could imagine, terrorized by life itself. And that is not how God intended life to be lived in fear and dread and stressed out all the time. Some of you, I I pray for you tonight that you will get what I'm going to tell you because it would relieve a lot of stress in your life tonight. And I'm going to tell you why it's such a hard thing for Pentecostals to do what I'm going to preach to you is because we are so caught up in what we can do that we think if we can't do it, it can't be done. Well, I'm going to tell you something that you cannot do in yourself, but if you will learn the principle, it will change your life forever. And so this is how Jesus said life ought to be lived. He said, consider the lily. 
Now think about this for a moment. They do not work, but they get better. They do not work to get beautiful, and yet they're one of the most beautiful flowers. Actually, the lily of the valley that was referenced there, some of them consider it a rose, it known also as the Rose of Sharon. It was one of the most beautiful flowers that grew in the area. And yet it did not work to produce its beauty, but it was beautiful. It did not toil and labor to produce, and yet it produced prolifically over and over and over and over and over and over These lilies, they did not struggle to grow, and yet they grew. Now explain that to me. How can you not grow and not struggle to grow? And the key is very simple. And and you're going to listen to me, and you're going to think, okay, what's the punchline, Brother Hughes? It is so simple that some things... You're, you're just going to have a I, you're, you're going to have a hard time believing what I'm going to tell you. It's that simple. I'm not trying to talk you out of it, but I just already know. Now, some of you are probably thinking, "Well, Brother Hughes, you know what? Don't don't mess with my mind right now because I know that for some people it's just easier to do things than others because they just have a a, a personality." It's simply easier for some things to be perfect and others not. That's just the way life is. And I'm not one of those perfect people. But that's not true. The secret is simply this. Listen to me. You want to tell you how to relieve the stress of your life? This is how it happens. The secret of the lily is this. It simply gets into a right relationship with the sun and the soil, and something beautiful happens. It doesn't get stressed out. It doesn't go into a nervous tizzy. It's not popping Xanax or Zantac or whatever else. Zoloft. It doesn't go through these stressful modes in the morning wondering, oh, is it all going to work out today? Is it all? It simply gets in the right relationship with the sun and the soil, and boom, it happens. No laboring, no struggling, no fighting, no arguing, no getting mad, no shaking its leaves and saying, God, you've got to bless me. It simply gets in the right relationship with the sun, and beauty happens. Oh, my Lord, if I could get some of you to understand that tonight, I could help stress your stress relieve your life tonight. Because the truth is, when you get into the right relationship with the S-O-N, things work. And things will work out when you get into the right relationship. The problem is we've got it all worked out. We know how it's going to work. We're going to make it work. 
We're going to will it in. We're going to try and try and try. And some of you are so frustrated tonight because everything you've tried to do in yourself hasn't produced one good thing. But if you could just quit trying for a little while and just try to find that place where I can get into the right relationship with Him. When I get into that relationship, growth is going to come. Beauty is going to come. Peace is going to come. Happiness is going to come. Fear is going to leave. Stress is going to leave. Worry is going to run away. When I get into that relationship with Him, then all of those things that I am worried about will disappear. Because He is my provider. And when you live in a proper relationship with Him, the result is growth, beauty, bounty, provision, peace, joy, contentment, happiness. Amen. We grow like what we live with. And the pictures that are on the walls of your mind will determine what you become. If you live with critical thoughts, you're going to become a critical person. Listen to me. If you always look at life and the glass of life as being half full, nothing will ever be enough. If you are always looking at life from this jaded perspective and you look at your spouse or your, your friends or your church family and you're always seeing their faults, then that's all that you will find in your own life are faults. Because we grow like what we live with. And some of us could help improve the atmosphere if our family, if we would just quit being so critical and so negative about our family. Hmm. What are your thoughts? What are your desires? If you will tell me, I can predict your future. Because you are going to grow like what you live with. And the lily of the field is smart enough to know that if God made me, he can keep me. If God made me, he can provide for me. If God made me, he knows how to bring the best out of me. And so instead of me going around trying to be good and do good, what I really need to do is just find that place of relationship with Him where my life is in harmony with Him and His will. And when I do that, all of a sudden things change and happiness comes and joy comes and peace comes. And I look at my mate or I look at my friends and I see them in a different light. Instead of them being the old grumpy ogre. They're just the old smiling whatever. <laughs> they're old. You can't do anything about that. I'm just trying to be funny. Some of you are worried right now. What we fellowship, we will follow. 
And if you fellowship bitterness, you're going to follow bitterness. You know, I learned a long time ago. Some of you probably don't want me to tell you this, but I learned a long time ago that when people come into our church, if I just watch who they gravitate toward, I can tell you what kind of person they are. Because birds of a feather flock together. And personalities draw personalities. And, and, and if I see them hanging around people that talk about the church, I already know they're going to be one of those people that talk about our church. Say, brother, you just don't expose me. I'm not exposing me. You expose yourself. You expose yourself by who you hang out with and the things you fellowship and what you fellowship you follow. If you don't want to be around negative relationships, then don't be around negative relationships. When we move into a better spiritual relationship, the result in our life is better things for our life. We have a better home. We have a better marriage. We have a better job. We have a better future. We have a better God. When we get in the right relationship with Him, everything changes. You don't have to fight on it. You don't have to argue about it. You don't have to wrestle it out of God's hands. All you have to do is just show up and God will bless you. Some people think that if they, if they make one mistake during the week, that when they come to church, God's just going to beat them to death. And then they feel good about themselves because they love being beat up. Do you know what? God loves you so much that he died knowing how many failures you were going to commit in your life, but he did it anyway. And he knew how many times you would come to an altar and repent and walk away and do the same thing, but he came and died anyway. So that tells me there's enough mercy and there's enough grace and there's enough love and there's enough forgiveness in Him that it doesn't matter how many times I fail. If I'll just keep coming back, He's going to bless me. He's going to make my life better. He's going to take away my fear. He's going to remove my hatred and bitterness. But I have to get into that relationship with Him. You cannot hang out with a junkyard dog and... Live like a champion with a pedigree. That's not a very good analogy, but that was as good as I could come up with today. You can't run around with turkeys and fly like an eagle either. You cannot break God's law and be blessed. Not only that, you cannot ignore God's law and be blessed. And there's some of us, we're not quite bold enough to break it, but we'll act like we didn't hear it. Anybody got any kids like that? You know, they're not going to blatantly just come up and spit in your eye, but they will sometimes just, out of their own whatever, oh, I didn't hear you. I didn't know that's what you meant. So you can break God's law, but you're never going to be blessed. And you can ignore God's law and still never be blessed. You will not be blessed until you come to that place where you say, Lord, your law is my life. That's what I want to live for. That's what I want to live by. That's what I want to govern my life. 
And when I bring myself in alignment with that law, all of a sudden peace comes. All of a sudden my perspective on life changes. The way I look at people, the way I feel about people changes. And suddenly I'm not angry anymore. I don't feel mad all the time. I don't want to hurt somebody all the time. I don't want to run them off the road all the time. You know, I worry sometimes about myself. I'm not going to say about you, but about myself. That when I get to the place where everybody that passes me on the freeway, I want to run them off the road, I, I feel like it's time for me to get back to the altar. I mean, some people, before they even open their mouth to say a word, you're already answering them. Because you already have it in your mind what you think they're going to say. And they're not even thinking anything like what you're thinking. But we can get so caught up in life and we can get so tense and tied up trying to live and make it and make something happen and it's not working and we just get madder and we get more angry and we get more frustrated and then we aggravate everybody around us. And Jesus said, I want to tell you the secret to how to de-stress your life. If you'll just get into the right relationship with me, it'll happen. It'll, you don't have to make it happen. It automatically happens. Now, I know that contradicts a lot of Pentecostal theology because we think we got to do it all. And we also think that if we live by enough laws and we live by enough standards, that that ought to bring blessings. Standards do not bring blessings to your life. Standards are just simply an obedience of your will to the will of God to to honor Him in your body and in your spirit. The blessing comes from getting in alignment with Him. The other side of that is when you get in alignment with Him, His standards don't bother you. Because you understand those standards are what stimulate your growth. Those standards are what help cultivate you into maturity and make you a better person. And so when you get in alignment, when you get in that place where all you want to do is please Him and serve Him and do His will, all of a sudden the stress of life begins to ease away. Amen. If life hasn't been working for you that way, then I would encourage you to find a way, to find a place to get your life in agreement with Him. Because when you do, it works. Amen. Amen. It works. It will produce fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. What are they? Anybody know what the nine fruit of the Spirit are? Come on, say it out loud. Peace, joy, love, temperance, long-suffering. Come on, Bible student. You went to Bible college. Where's my nine fruit of the Spirit? What are they? All of that is mine. I know he knows everything. He's a genius in our church right now, and I mean that seriously. This guy knows everything. At least he thinks he does. No, I'm serious. He's, he's one of the most brilliant kids I've ever been around. And I like to be around him because he always tells me something I didn't know. He, he does. He's, 
So tell me, tell, tell me the nine fruit. All right. Now, folks, let me ask you. Can you find anything in life that can trump that? Not him, but what he's just said. And God says, it, is so, it was so simple when I read that the other day and it, came, it, it became a reality. I thought, my Lord, here I've been living for God all these years. I've been struggling. I've been working. I've been trying. And I have beat myself down so many times when really what I need to work on is just my relationship with him. And when I get into that relationship, it happens. You don't have to make it happen. You don't have to beg for God to do it. He'll do it. It's automatic. It's just part of the process. But you've got to get yourself into the right relationship with the Son for that to happen. Do you know there was a day when the world that we live in did not believe that the S-U-N was the center of our universe? There was a day when they believed that the earth was the center. It caused all kind of problems. Because nothing, I mean, everything was changing. And there was no certainties. And who was it, Copernicus? That was the first one to declare that the earth was not the center. And he was almost outlawed. It was, it was blasphemy. That anybody with a scientific mind or anybody of intelligence would think that we are not the center of it all. But if you go back and you study history, you will find that it was during that time that the greatest fears and superstitions that have ever been known were cultivated. Because the alignment was in us. And when he finally convinced them that it's the sun, that's the center of our universe, then everything started finding its place. And the fear and all the superstitions that had been so rampant and prevalent in the history of our world began to die away. But you know what? Nothing has changed. We still we live in a culture right now that's making me the center of the universe. And that's why life is so disordered. That's why families are so dysfunctional. That's why our world is in such chaos because the world, it's all about me. Nothing ever works. Your family will not work. Your marriage will not work. Relationships with other people, friendships will never produce anything if it's all about you. Maybe you need to get in alignment with the Son. And when you get in alignment with Him then he makes all of those things work the way they're supposed to work. So, Brother Hughes, that's pretty personal. I know it is. But it's the truth. And it's so profoundly simple that we ignore it, and yet it's the truth to all of the joy and peace and happiness that we long for. And when life is not working, it's usually because I have gotten out of alignment with him. And as soon as I get myself back in that place, my attitude straightens up. My feelings about other people change. Amen. 
the way I look at my family changes. I had to talk to myself the other day about some things, attitudes in my own heart. And I'm thinking, God, why? Why would I let something like that make not only me miserable, but people around me miserable? Some of you are afraid to look at me right now. (laughs) I'm preaching to you. The secret, the key, is in the lily. All it does, it doesn't work, it doesn't toil, it doesn't labor, it doesn't try, it doesn't spin, it doesn't get frustrated, it doesn't get angry, it doesn't get mad, lose its temper, fly off the handle, say things it shouldn't say. You know what? You don't ever have to repent of something you don't say. And you don't ever have to ask forgiveness for something that you don't say. Amen. All it does is just get in agreement with the sun and the soil. Just like that, it starts working. The roots go down. The limbs come up. The bud appears. The flower. The fragrance. And then it beautifies all the world. And God was so impressed by its beauty that he said, even Solomon in all of his glory could not compare to one lily that has been in agreement with me. Now I want to ask you, would you want that kind of life? You see, all that Solomon had gained, he gained a lot by his hand. I certainly, I understand God gave him wisdom. He asked for wisdom. God gave him that. He used that wisdom to make himself rich. He also used that to make himself a fool because he disobeyed God. You see, it doesn't matter who you are. Money can make a fool out of anybody. Amen. Things can make a fool out of anyone. And you will never find the right place to do the wrong thing. Balak, he hated Israel. He wanted so badly to curse them that he called for a prophet of prophets that was known throughout the land. If you want to know anything, if you want somebody to speak something that's going to come to pass, call Balaam. And so he calls Balaam in, and he brings him to see the host of Israel, and he said, I want you to curse them. Well, Balaam already had a run-in with God. And so he opens his mouth, and instead of cursing, he blessed. And it made Balak so mad Instead of understanding that you cannot curse what God blessed, he takes him to another place and lets him see the whole camp. And he said, now, curse them. And again, Balaam opened his mouth and he blessed them instead of cursing them. And so Balak got smart. He said, I know what the problem is. Balaam is so overwhelmed by the size of this group, he is fearful of saying anything negative, so I'm going to take him to where he can only see part of them. 
And so he brings him to a place, the Bible said, where he could only see part of the host of Israel. And he said, curse them. You hear me. I don't care how hard you try. You will never find the right place to do the wrong thing. And you cannot curse what God has blessed. And there are a lot of people in life that are just like Balak. We want to curse people or curse something, a marriage or a home or a job or a city or a church so bad that we'll keep looking for a place until we get to a place that we think we can do what might not be available for us to do at some other point. And the truth is you're never going to find a place to do the wrong thing. And you're never going to be able to curse the church. Because God said, I'm going to build this church and the gates of hell are not even going to stand against it. So who do you think I am to think that I can oppose it and stop it? You're not going to stop the church. If you quit coming tonight, this church is going to keep going. I don't want you to stop. I'm just here to tell you, none of us can stop God's work in the earth. And you cannot find a place to curse things you don't like just because you don't like them. Balak didn't even know anything about Israel, really. He was just fearful of their size. He was afraid they were going to take over his territory. That's another sermon in itself. How many times have we cursed people in our church because we were fearful they were going to take our job? We start talking about them. We start, you know, saying little things about them. Well, they can't do this. They're not very good. You know what? You can't curse what God's blessed. If God could speak through a donkey, he can use anything to glorify himself and get his purpose done. My simple subject is consider the lily. And if you'll quit fighting and stressing and striving and doing everything you think you know to do to make it work and just start working on getting in that place where I'm in agreement with the soil that he's put me in and I'm in agreement with the sun that's shining in my life. All of a sudden, you wake up in the morning, you look across the room at a a wife or a husband and they, they look like, oh my word, where have they been all my life? Some of you don't believe that because some of you have been so, your eyes are so, you got so many cataracts on your eyes right now, you can't see anything clearly. You need to have spiritual surgery and have God work on your eyes so that you can understand that God's blessed you and he has not cursed you. Amen. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I, I'm going to keep beating on that. Oh, God, help me tonight to just simply get into that place where I am in agreement with you. And when I get into that place, things, my relationships get better, my joy, my peace, my love, mercy comes. I find mercy that I didn't even know I had the ability to have. I can forgive. There's some people here that I don't think you can forgive. You can forgive if you want to. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not... It's not something 
out of this world. It's just a choice. I'm going to forgive. That simply means you let go. It doesn't mean you exonerate them. It doesn't mean that what they did didn't happen or that it doesn't matter. It just simply says you are not going to stand as their judge. You're going to let God have that and let him be the one to take care of that. I'm going to go on. I'm going to live. I'm going to grow. I'm going to have a life that is blessed. I'm not going to be burdened down by anger and bitterness and hatred. Consider the lily. How they grow. They do not toil and they do not spin. And yet I say unto you, That Solomon in all of his glory could not compare to one lily. Amen. Praise God. Let's stand together.